from Digital Horsemanship, this is Finding the Field, bringing you stories and insights from today's most inspiring horsemen and women. When you get right down to it, you need them to want to help you, and to me that starts as soon as you can. Hey all, your host Caitlin here. Thanks for tuning in again this week. Our guest today has an outstanding reputation as an all-around horseman. Just this year, he's won many titles, including the NRCHA Stallion Stakes, and took reserve at the Open Derby right behind our previous guest, Justin Wright, the NSHA Derby, and Hackamore. And including those lists of accomplishments from this year, he's won the Ranch Rodeo Championships and World's Greatest Horseman. Clayton Edsall was born and raised on a cattle ranch in Montana. Now running a cow horse business in California, he brings together his experience to train well-rounded horses that can work on a ranch one day and win a championship the next. Clayton, thanks for being here. Thanks for having me. All right, so fill in the gas from that intro and tell us about your life and your business. Uh, well, like you said, uh, I grew up on a ranch in Montana. When we were younger, we tried to make some extra money and and uh, and better ourselves by riding colts and uh, starting teams and things like that. And so I kind of grew up in the horsemanship aspect of it. And then as I just kind of seemed to get a little better at it, I'd travel around and start colts for people and in between ranch jobs. And then I somehow ended up being a horse trainer. I don't really know how, but it just kind of worked out, I guess. There's There was many years where I wish I'd have gone and apprenticed for a trainer and, and really learned the the horse training as a business a little bit more, but now I kind of, uh, you know, have gotten to where I can have a little bit of success and, and learn the business, and so it's it's all good now, I think. Yeah, you've had a really, really great few years. Yeah, I know. It's been good. Thanks. Especially this year. You're just on a roll. Yeah. Yeah, I got a nice group of horses. Really, really good group of horses. Speaking of good horses, there's one horse who you've called a very special horse that I want to talk to you about and you call him sly yep and you won the world's greatest on sly mm-hmm. and so for those listeners who don't know world's greatest is a competition with four events mm-hmm. and it has the herd work the rain work steer stopping and fence work so the horses have to be very well rounded it's an incredible show to watch so showing in it competing in it is quite a feat but what I love about this is you won the World's Grace in 2016, mm-hmm. and that was your third attempt on Sly, correct? Yeah, maybe maybe even the fourth. Yeah. Yeah. And he was nine. Yeah. And so I'd love to talk to you about how you kept motivated and, and how you kept believing in Sly. So what was it about Sly that made you believe in him so much? Well, one, I owned him. But he he'd just been a a really a really good horse, you know, from the beginning, especially in his show career. When I started him, he was he was a lot of horse and still is. He's extremely quirky, and he's probably he's a he's a sweet horse, but he's probably not for everybody. And that's probably why I had him so long because I don't think uh, many people, especially non pros, would would get along with him. You know. What about him makes you say that? Oh, just. He is extremely bronky when I started him. He's just, he's a weirdo. Everything scares him. 
any kind of noise. I wish my kids could ride him. I wish he'd make a kid's horse, but he is he is a long ways away from being a kid's horse. Uh, he's he's bucked me off a couple times. Once up there in Winnemuck at the ranch rodeo. He's just he's just not the easiest. He's a great horse, but he's just you got to be a little careful around him. Hmm. And so when you were getting him started. Was there something in him that made you say he was going to be special? Uh, he was always incredibly talented. You know, had a lot of had a lot of cow, real bright eared, a lot of stop. I figured, you know, right from the start he was he was pretty special horse. And then uh, once we kind of got him going, and and I think that my background of coming from the ranch. Because at that time I was still day working a lot and branding a lot of calves, and I didn't have a I didn't have a ton of great horses to ride. You know, I started a lot of colts and stuff, and so I had more time. But that that horse probably has a three year old branded, doctored, rope yearlings. I mean, it, it took a lot of using to get him to where where I could get him trained. You know, what was the strategy you put? in the training behind him. What was your approach? Just try not to lose my money. Uh when I bought I bought two horses that year. I bought him and I bought a I bought another uh yearling. He was a he was a cat itchy out of a really good mare and he was had a pretty bald face and he was extremely good looking and I bought Sly for three thousand dollars, you know. And he was just kind of meant to be the the ranch horse or something to kind of get broke and 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 maybe sell. And it, it they ended up I, I ended up flip flopping him. The other horse he he wasn't he didn't want to be much of a horse. He's real gentle and whatnot. And so I sold him as the ranch horse and ended up keeping Sly. So you said you roped and branded and did all kinds of things on him. Was was that on purpose? Do you think something about the variety helped him, helped you train him? Oh yeah, he yeah, loping circles on him in the arena wasn't gonna get him broke. So then training him, shaping him into ultimately a show horse. What was that kind of strategy like? Uh, it wasn't it wasn't bad. About middle of his three year old year, he started to he started to kind of settle in and and. Uh, let me train him and and the cow the cow's always been extremely easy for him you know is is real cowy um you know the the rain and kind of getting him to where he'd settle in and and let me rain on him took a little bit longer and, and plus I didn't I didn't know much you know I mean I had an idea what I was supposed to be doing but I didn't I didn't know near enough so there was a lot of there was a lot of my mistakes too it could be a little off base here, but he sounds like a horse that could have easily been broken. Oh yeah. So what do you think prevented that from happening? It sounds like he understands his personality really well. Oh, just just being around him and just knowing him. I mean, he he tries every time. You know, it's it's funny because like you'll be warming him up or getting him ready to go in the show pen, and and he will spook and cow up on a garbage can you know <laughs> and it I've been around him long enough but he's never I don't think he's ever not performed in the show pin you know he's always he's just always kind of been a show horse I mean there for a while 
I mean, I can only think of maybe one or two shows where I haven't gotten a check on him. You know, there for a while, I would just enter him and go, and, like, he was just kind of, uh, he was just kind of like my master card, you know, you just took him everywhere, so, yeah, he's pretty, pretty incredible horse that way. I've heard a lot of the people that I talk to say that they've come across a horse like that, that seemed to enjoy showing. Mm-hmm. Do you think, what do you think about him made him that way? Do you think he knew he was showing? Um, yeah, you know, uh, my wife showed him a couple times and, uh, he's, he's a lot of horse for her to show at times, but she, she won, uh, uh, I can't, I think maybe it was in, in Vegas at the stakes. I think she won the boxing on him there and, and maybe second at the Derby or something, you know, and, and when she started riding him, like he's kind of quirky and he's a really good lead changer, but you can't you can't put your feet on him a lot. You can't hug him with your feet. And uh, she was kind of getting worried because he wasn't wanting to come back to her as good, you know. And she's having little problems in the lead changes at times. And I just said, you know, I think when he gets in there, I think he he's gonna fill in, you know. And it's hard to trust him until you until you do know him, you know. And and she went in there and run her circles, and he just puts his little ears up, and he's like, oh, it's time to change right here, and, you know, this is this is what I do, so. That's special. Yeah. So when you, when you go to show him, or your wife goes to show him, it sounds like he's a little, so he can be, even be a little quirky out in the practice pin, and maybe things aren't right, but he gets in there, oh, yeah. and he gets focused. How do you mentally prepare yourself for that? Um, with him? The more you can ride him and the more you can do with him, the better he is. He doesn't, you know, there's, I have some horses that kind of, uh, you know, they do a little better where they, you just kind of pull them out of their stall and do a little bit, put them back, you know, let them, let them kind of think about what happened. But he's always been a kind of horse that likes to go and likes to be out, you know? So I, I sit on him a lot and I still you know, brand calves and do all that. And, and I do, I do think he does enjoy it. You know, he likes to be engaged. He doesn't like just kind of the show horse, sit in your stall, pull him out, go to the arena, go put him back, you know, mm. needs to be mentally, yes, mentally engaged yep. and stimulated. Yep. It kind of explains why maybe the rain work is harder for him. It yep. can be a little boring. Yeah. I say that lovingly as a rainer right. myself. Right. <laughs> so let's talk about that. Uh, world's greatest in 2016 did you feel like you had a chance to win yeah I'd made the finals on him there three times previous to that and the first time I showed him there he was six and so that was his first show in the bridle and uh Russell Gilday beat me in the prelims but I was I was one of the high horse I was second coming back into the finals you know he's always been a real competitive horse when I win I think I was uh I think I was fifth one year and maybe a seventh and an eighth something like that and uh and, and so I always felt like I had a shot with him especially his herd work was real good his, and uh and his fence work and and I got him to where I could you know mark the 19s and 20s on him in the raining so that year I yeah I did feel like I had a, I had a good shot real good shot was there any anxiety in the background given that you had been trying to win it 
multiple times on him? Oh, yeah, lots. You know, I mean, that was when I had just a handful of horses. So for me to enter him and drive, you know, haul him all the way back there, I mean, I'd try to find horses to haul to go back there so I could help pay for my trip, you know. Yeah, it was, it was kind of funny. Several times we'd be driving back there, and I'd tell Chelsea, my wife, I'm like, what the hell are we doing, you know? Like, we sell horses at, at Red Bluff. Like, we got some horses to put through the sale so we can enter this horse to go back there, you know? So so it was good to finally finally win it, you know? How did you prevent that those nerves and anxiety from getting to you? Uh, That year was kind of a... That was a funny year. I don't know I don't know how and I don't know why, but I was pretty convinced I was gonna win it. I think I come back nine, eight, nine or ten, you know, from the from the prelims. And normally that would kinda of bother me, you know, like, oh I need to do this, I need to do that. But for some reason when we got when we got started in the finals there it was it, we just we just knocked each event down and it was I don't, it was strange they blew me a new cow in the fence work and i remember i was working that first cow and that was the first time all week that i thought i might not win it you know so it was it was kind of a strange feeling and even justin brought it up to me he goes you knew you're going to win that the whole time didn't you I go, yeah, and I don't I don't know why. It wasn't that I was like telling myself that or whatnot, but it was it was a strange it was a very strange feeling. Kind of feel it in the air, could feel it in sly. Yep. So when they blew you that new cow, what were you feeling, knowing that the previous one may not have been good enough? Oh, just thank God, you know. Yeah. Yeah, and so that horse gets pretty strong in the fence work especially especially there i mean you've been there and watched it huh i mean there's people everywhere and they play that music so loud and that horse had made so many finals and you know they love to they love to crank the music and people are cheering and so his heart's racing you know and uh i just knew on the second one that if i messed around too long at the end and 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 boxed too long and took too much out of that cow that that I was going to have too much horse going down the fence. So I just kind of, they kicked that cow out and I just knocked it around a little bit and, and just let him go make his fence run. You know, he kind of, kind of just does his deal. So you have to get out of his way. Yep. How do you do that? Just got to trust him. Just got to trust him. He's a, he's, he's a really, really cool fence horse. The faster he goes, the lower his, the lower his head gets, you know, and there's something about him he does not like to be separated from that cow real close to the cow at all times and so yeah once once you kind of get going there he's just like a magnet to the cow you know there's no no separation so you finish that fence run Mm -hmm. then you find out that you won what were you feeling Mm, just i guess just kind of a large sense of relief you know because that horse I think he's won. I don't know what he's. I don't know what he's won. If it was like maybe around 150 thousand, but he'd never really won any big titles. He'd always kind of been that 
that war horse for lack of a better term. You know, he's always making the finals, always doing good, but he'd never really had like a title. You know, he hadn't won the Derby. He was fourth at the Derby one year. You know, he like he hadn't won the stakes. He hadn't really won anything. So it was pretty, it was, it was good for him. It was real good for him and a, and a, and a good, a super cool title, you know? Yeah. So then in preparation for that show, was there anything you did for yourself to get ready? Mm, I think just trying to believe in yourself and realizing that it, you know, it, it can happen, you know, uh, the raining, the raining's kind of been, uh, for him, for me. So I had to work a lot on the raining towards the end. You know, I could always, I could always get him a, you know, 16, 17, you know, every once in a while, 18, but I, I worked on it. And, and even now I think I could probably get him a little bit better, but for me, I had to, I really had to work on his reigning so that I could stay up there with them guys, you know, um, as you got like Philip Rawls there, you know, good in the herd, you know, and he, he's good everywhere, but I would, I would kind of do good. And then that reigning would beat me up a little bit. And then if I didn't, if I didn't get him very good in the steer stopping or something, so yeah, I just worked uh, a lot on fine tuning the small stuff and just realizing that that it uh that I could do it. I'm going to return to that confidence bit in a minute, but you mentioned that knowing that slide doesn't like the raining, but you needed to get it better. Yeah. How did you push him in that direction? Um I guess it's not so much that he doesn't like it. He's been good at it, but I always like to work cattle. So when I was training him, he was good on a cow because that's that's what I worked at, right? If I ever run into a spot in the raining or I'd get frustrated, I'd go work him on a cow, you know, go rope on him or do do something like that. So just by me learning more about it and kind of taking the time and, and being smart, you know, the, the rain cow horse is just stepped up so much. I mean, it used to be in all the events, but the cutting and the reining have advanced so much. You know, it seemed like six, seven years ago, there was a lot of mediocre runs, but it was kind of allowed, you know, and anymore, if you're not, if you're not marking 19s, 20s, you know, you're, you're not going to win anything. And probably better be able to mark a 25 in one of those events in case you need to, you know. So that's probably why I struggled in the rain in a little bit was I didn't put as much time into it as I as I maybe needed to. And it got me through quite a bit because he was such a good herd horse and a fence horse. But, yeah. So through just spending more time and consistency, you didn't feel like you put too much pressure on him at any point? or No, he's big and strong. Yeah. and sound and and you know he's he's got some go and he likes to be rode so it kind of kind of gave me the opportunity to do it it's so interesting that you you call him kind of quirky and he's a little jumpy and and this and that but he comes through yeah he doesn't get overwhelmed it doesn't sound like no he's 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 pretty awesome horse that sounds pretty special i know i've met a lot of quirky ones i have 
one myself. And uh, it's, it can be really easy to overwhelm them. Yeah. It's a huge skill not to do that. Yeah. And then to find one that can also turn gears and be so serious and go to work is cool. Yeah. Yeah, like I um, I use him at the ranch rodeos. I don't go as much as I used to, but uh, in Red Bluff, I used him when we won that ranch rodeo. But when they team brand, he'll change riders and use two two horses, you know. So you got you got three or four guys changing horses, you know. And I gotta be careful who or if I use him because there's a chance like if you if you run at him like you're gonna try and get on him fast, it's just not gonna happen. Like he will get weirded out about some stuff like that. Or if somebody kicks him in the wrong spot, he's liable to try to buck with you a little bit, you know, and and uh yeah, he's he he's definitely quirky, but he's a really exceptional horse. It sounds like you must have a special relationship with him, knowing to be able to know him so well and then to have him trust you in particular. He doesn't sound like a horse that just anybody could ride. No, he's not. He's not. I wish he I wish he was now. I'd sure like uh, my kids to be able to uh to get some use out of him, but I don't know if that's gonna happen for for a while. Maybe maybe some age will help that. I hope so. My kids might be might be uh in college by the time he's gentle enough for him to ride. <laughs> so do you feel like he got better over time? I think that's something that's, it does happen, but it's pretty special that a horse has such a long, successful career. What do you think attributed to that first lie? Oh, I think for him, you know, uh, just keeping his, keeping his mind right and uh, giving him, giving him a job and not just, not just, loping him in circles and trying to train him in the arena I think he would have been I don't I personally don't think he could have got him trained in the arena um but you know we're we're pretty fortunate that right behind my barn we have several thousand acres and they uh they put it in almonds but they can only plant part of it and so we're allowed to go ride out there you know and and I do it with with all my horses but usually Mondays are just go out or if we ever have a problem they go out first and then come back to the arena you know and and so that they just kind of get a chance to be a horse and make them understand a job so that I think that a lot of times it's it's really difficult because horses don't really understand that we're trying to make them into a competition horse you know that doesn't that doesn't do much for them so really getting them to try and understand a job and then enjoy enjoy doing it or or at least or at least try to help you accomplish it you know so how do you think taking them out on to the ranch and then bringing that back to the arena how does that help them understand Oh, like for the, let's take the fence work, for instance, right? So the way I look at it is if you look at it from the horse's perspective, you ride them around, you warm them up, they kick a cow into the arena, we make them work it, then we chase the hell out of the cow, and we turn it twice, and then we're done, right? So pretty soon, um, especially on some horses that I've gotten from other programs, 
pretty soon you kick a cow out and the last place they want to be is next to that cow. You know, they're like, um, I don't really want to go near that cow because every time I go near that cow, I either have to work it, chase it, or do something, and it's not that much fun, right? So now take, for instance, like doctoring cattle outside. So it's their job to get there, and then you rope, and you tie off, and you sit there, and you doctor the cow, right? So then they catch their air, and they get to stand there, and they get they get a um, they get a break, right? So pretty soon they start to realize that the faster they run, the sooner they get there, the less work it is, right? So for me, for me that makes all the difference in the world, you know. And I and I really think like like Sly, he's very connected to a cow, extremely connected to a cow. Um, the the mare metallic train. When I got her, she didn't want to be next to that cow, you know, and so I did a lot of those things, and now she is so connected to a cow. She went from being not very good in the fence work to, I think the least I've ever marked on her is a 21 and a half down the fence. You know, she was a, she was a 150 in Texas at the first show, and, and then from there, I mean, I, 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 I kind of schooled her in the Hackamore there at, at the NSHA maturity because I'm getting ready for the Hackamore Classic. So I showed her, but, you know, like I, I held on to her and just wanted to see what she would do, you know, just kind of find some spots. Plus, she's been shown hard this year. And, um, you know, I was a 22 on her in the fence. I mean, she just understands her job, and I think that that, I think that that's the the biggest thing is I can try to get across to these horses. It's your job to do this. It's not my job. I'm not going to I'm not going to punish you and make you do it. I'm going to try and fix it up best I can and then hopefully you take over and start doing it, you know. Yes, it's all about that positive association. Absolutely. It sounds like. And you did really well in metallic train this this year. That was the mare you won the stakes on, and then the open hackamore at the NSHA yeah, Derby. Yeah, yeah, I think she's won. Um, I think she's won about a hundred and eight thousand this year. Wow. Yeah, big big year for her, and it's and it's not over, you know. Yeah. So pretty pretty incredible. Pretty cool. I'll have to keep watching for her. Back to that confidence piece. Where do you think your confidence comes from? Well. Once you kind of go along and you get enough horses trained and you realize, oh, I, I can do this, and then you have good horses that you're able to hand them the ball and say, you know, it's it's up to you, go, go do it. it. It just gets easier, you know. So instead of stepping in the show pin and second-guessing yourself oh, or, or trying to show around uh, maybe a horse that doesn't want to stop or doesn't want to turn as good or something like that doesn't you know you got to cut them the right kind of cow or else it's not going to work out you know I I uh that's a terrible feeling so one getting getting nice horses getting good horses and then just just doing your job and just have them where they want to fill in and and do good for you that 
I mean, that is a huge confidence booster, especially when you're just able to go and just keep putting runs together. Was there, are there any specific runs that you remember where it went well, where all of a sudden you had this kind of boost of confidence? Like you said, oh, wow, I, I can do this. Yeah. Well, I mean, one was, you know, winning the world's greatest. That did a lot. That did more for me than I it took me several years to realize how much that did. One, in just the, you know, the way people start to to treat you, you know, like you kind of start to get into that, into that club where people do recognize you as a horse trainer and they do recognize you as a, as a competitor. And, and so now you kind of, you start building that confidence and, and kind of believing in yourself. Yeah, getting some of that validation. Yeah. And it sounds like a lot of that comes just through experience. Yes. And do you think sometimes, you talk about going out there and letting the horse do their job and having good horses, do you think sometimes we're getting in the way of that? Um, yeah, I do. Um, I see, I see people try to do too much for their horse and, and so it's, it's been a, it's been kind of a, a process for me and, and a good friend of mine, Ricky Nicolazzi, which love Ricky, he told me several years ago, he's like, listen, you got to train, you got to train like Todd Bergen and show like Clayton Edsel, meaning that I have to do all the all the training parts and be and have them very specific in spots and have them more broke than what I need to show them, right? But then when I go show them, I let them do it. You know, it's not it's not me trying to to read the cow for them. It's not me trying to do everything for them. And so I see that a lot, especially when people kind of get nervous and they find themselves in in a place where they don't know what they should be doing then they start trying to do more and more and then their horse starts filling in less and less and that's that's kind of what I see and so to answer your question yeah I think think that when we get nervous or we get into the unknown we start trying to do more and more but me I try to get my horses to do more and me to do less you know when you go to the show pen and you're trying to do less, what kind of mentality are you having? Is it kind of just like a whatever happens, happens kind of mentality? Or are you focused on specific spots? What are you thinking about? I guess just, um, you know, like, I guess it's kind of hard to explain, but these horses are so good anymore, right? They're bred good. They're so athletic. and some of my take on it is, is if I have to teach a horse how to turn around correctly on a cow or if I have to teach them to have a style on a cow then I'm probably not doing them justice you know like I would much rather try to see what style that horse wants to have and then help where I can where I see some people if those horses don't fit their style or their program they don't get much of a chance or they get sent home or they get ruined trying to create their style 
And so for me, I kind of want to see what that horse has to offer a little bit and then see where I can, where I can help. Yeah. So empower their strengths. Absolutely. You think that gives them confidence as well? I, I sure think so. Yeah. You know, train, train on their weaknesses and show their strengths, you know, so. So we talked about Sly a lot. Is there another horse that you felt has changed your life or your career? Yeah. Um, you know, Betty Sparks has been a, has been a pretty special horse. Um, he's, he's a four-year-old that I've been showing this year and he was, I bought him, uh, with a friend and a partner, Lewis Schutte. And our plan with him was to take him and put him in the two-year-old sale at Reno when the maturity was still there. And so we did. And a good customer and a really good friend of ours, Catherine Phillips, bought him through the sale and and then left him with me. And so he's he's been an outstanding outstanding horse for me. And and I'm I'm really happy that she ended up with him. And and he was he was one I thought I had a chance to win the Futurity on last year. And I I went around and I got a lot of advice what to do you know and and he was real good at the pre-faturity I think I was third on him there and uh, I missed the open finals on him in Fort Worth I was second on him in the intermediate you know and so it was that was that was that was a bummer and uh, and after after the faturity I told Chelsea I said I said, this year, I'm going to prepare them how I want to prepare them. And so this year's been kind of funny. Um, you go to the shows and you see what everybody else is doing, right? He's like, oh, man, that guy's winning or that guy's doing good. And you watch him work his horse. Oh, that's how you're supposed to work horse. I told her this year, I'm going to do what I want to do. I'm going to warm them up how I want to do them. I want, I'm going to go show them. And so then we started the year off with a pretty big bang. And then it's just kind of rolled all along. So. What's that horse like? Sparky. He's awesome. He's awesome. He's he's laid back. Got a ton of stop. He's actually out of the same mother as Talic Train. So they're they're half brother and sisters. He's a he's a bed, he's a cat, and he's four and she's a metallic cat and she's five. But uh both of them a lot of just a lot of stop, a lot of expression, a lot of wanna please, you know? Mm. Oh, what do you think is different about him? How how are you changing your approach with him this year? Um, just kind of, I just kind of learned from my mistakes, and and Don Murphy helped me, you know, talk to me a little bit about some things I I could have done, and uh, just kind of covered up a few little spots that I needed help with, and and uh, he just kind of seems to be working out. Can you tell us about a time where you feel like you failed and what you learned from that? Oh, well, there's been so many times I've failed. I don't know which one to pick, but, um, yeah, I think everybody would agree that when you go to a show, uh, you don't ever leave out of there and say, oh, I've got this figured out. I'm just going to go home and just cruise, you know? Um. You know, at the at the stallion stakes this year, I made what I make four into the open finals, 
And yeah, Metallic Train was great down the fence, but a couple of them other horses, I didn't get them. I didn't get them down the fence as good as I would have liked, you know. And so I come out of there and I, I told myself I gotta, I gotta keep working on my fence work, you know. And uh, which sounds kind of crazy because I had this huge fence score and won the stakes, but, but I think. I think probably the best way to look at it is just just keep being your own worst critic, you know, go watch your videos and oh, why am I doing that? What I do that for, you know? So, lots of fails. When you go back and watch your videos or you think about those things over time, how do you implement them back into your daily habits? Do you kind of mentally note them? Is there anything strategic that you do or any practical habits that you implement? You know, as far as as far as uh, making a show horse, one hard thing to keep in mind is some horses just have a presence and a look about them. And so, when I watch those videos or I take videos working at the house, it all it isn't necessarily all about how they feel, but about kind of how they look and how you're presenting that picture to the judges or to the audience, you know, it's kind of unfortunate, but I've had some, I've had some pretty plain horses that were doing their job pretty good and try, but they just don't have much look to them, you know, and I have some horses that you watch the video and you just find yourself wanting to watch them, you know, they have a, a presence. And so when I, when I watch the videos, I try to keep that in mind when I'm out there showing, you know, when you're like, oh, that doesn't feel good. And then you're like, uh, but I watched that video and you can't really tell that he leans or he's a little quick in that turn right there or something, you know. So just kind of trying to keep that in mind and just present as pretty a picture as you can to, to the judges, you know. Don't tattle on yourself. Oh, 100% because they aren't out there watching the practice pin, you know. I, I mean, for... When I got started, I'd sit out there and watch, and, uh, you know, maybe some guy's rearing their horse up, and it's not stopping, and it's not doing this, and you're like, why would you even bring that horse to town? And then the next day, they go in there and beat you. And you're like, but that's, you know, it's a it's a really a frustrating game to get, to get started in. Well, it's still frustrating, you know? But then once you realize those judges aren't sitting there watching the practice pin, they only know what's going on for two and a half, three minutes or whatnot, you know. So you you just try to present as 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 pretty a picture as you can. What is your strategy when you get to the shows? Just you know, get those horses comfortable. You know, uh, at the house, I've always been I've always been if a horse kind of wants to go. I'll I'll go until they don't want to, you know, like and I and I do it and I'm big on it. You can ask anybody that's ever worked for me. They probably didn't like working for me. But when those two year olds wanna go, I just let them go and go and go until they wanna come back to me, you know, and they wanna until they start to find like me as a friend. And so when I go to the shows you know they're amped up. They they know there's a horse show there, 
so they kind of want to go. So I would just take them around and just just go with them until they kind of until they kind of settle in and and want to start looking for me for help, you know. Something you keep touching on in your program, and feel free to correct me, is letting the horse be themselves and empowering them, yeah, and not trying to force it, yeah. Um, and then also rewarding the decisions that they do make. I think those are, I mean, two really great themes. I mean, how does that work in in your program? Is that like a daily thing? One guy that I that I learned a lot from, and very few people even know of him. His name's Tinkalordi, you know, and he he just taught me a lot about being a, a horse person, you know. And he was around Tom Dorrance a lot, just using those horses instead of getting after them all the time, you know. Um, I see some guys like a horse wanting to go too fast, you know. I, I I'll let them go fast until they don't want to go fast anymore. And where I see some people, they want to punish them for wanting to go fast then when they get in the show pen then they're you can't do nothing about it you know um to me a, a horse is a lot like a little kid you tell them they can't do something and they want to do it more and more you know <laughs> so it's like in that turnaround i see people want to keep them from leaking going forward in the turnaround so i'll just i'll just rain them a little bit and I'll just let them wander all over the arena if they have to you know until they until they decide why am I wandering all over this arena when I could just stay in one place you know because that's way less work for them so yeah I'm I'm big into them wanting to 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 figure out and them having to be um I'm not going to do everything for them so I want them very mentally engaged that kind of approach, it sounds like the, they'll like you a lot more. I hope so. I got a really good compliment the other day from a lady. Uh, she sent uh, she sent a two-year-old down, and and uh, she said she's been to oh big jumping barns, and and uh, you know she's had some she's had some reining horses, and she said I I walk through your barns, and every one of your horses turn around, come to the stall. And uh, she said, I, I really do appreciate that. She goes, I've I've been to, you know, most barns where you walk in the stall and they turn around in their ears and go to the back of it. And so I hadn't really I hadn't really thought about that. But, yeah, my my big thing at the barn is I don't care if the horse isn't very good, but he better be happy. So if I'm gone, I'll ride on a board in a marker, make sure they're happy, you know, because. It's no fun training an upset horse. It's so important. Yeah, I don't think people put enough uh, emphasis on that too. You know, it's like um, you know, it's like going to work for somebody you're not really that fond of. You know, um, yeah, you might still work for them, but you know, when they call you in the middle of the night, really needing a favor, probably not going to happen. You know, and that's kind of the way I look at showing. When you get right down to it, you need them to want to help you, and uh, to me that starts as soon as you, as soon as you can, you know, and and have them want to be around you and not be upset every time you walk in the stall, you know. Yeah, then they're there when you call on them. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Aside from you know this positive association in your training program, is there anything else you do to keep your horses happy? Oh, I mean, we, you know, like a lot of people, we try to 
make sure they're not sore and you know we so we got all the the theraplate and the beamer and and I, I turn them out as much as I can um I would sure like to have a place where they all could be out a little bit more you know it's it's tough but uh I make sure they they get out get in road or or turnouts I'm I'm a big fan of letting them horses turn out and have a little green grass you know yeah some alone time yeah for sure we're coming close on time but i have a few rapid fire questions for you any personal habits that you feel contribute to your success Mm, i don't know if they're i don't know if it's really a personal habit but just you know just from the beginning we worked you know and we kind of made a living with our horses whether it was day working or using them on the ranch and so i i guess you know just just getting up and working and and taking care of the the business side of it you know calling people back and and uh and trying to have a good relationship with your customers any superstitions well yeah i can get caught into that pretty easy and I just have to make myself not but for some reason uh Doug Williamson told me several years ago that and I can't I still don't know if it's your left or your right but uh he said you never put I think he said you never put your left boot on first uh so for some reason ever since he told me that I always put my right boot on first zip my shaps up right leg first and I don't know why. It's just that for some reason I would just hate to change that right now. It's like the hat on the bed thing. Oh, yeah. I never do that, of course. But, <laughs> yeah. What's the best advice you've ever been given as a horseman? Oh, man. Um, I don't know. There's There's been so many. But, you know, Tink always used to say, don't abuse them, use them. You know, and I, and I still go back to that. So I try. You know, it's it's hard as horse trainers we all go through stuff that we're not you know we're trying to get these horses to do very specific things and it's not always easy and fun but i i try my hardest to figure out a way where those horses get used instead of just kind of drilled on you know Mm -hmm. what's your favorite thing about the horses uh there's so many i i don't know just i've always just wanted to ride horses or be around them you know there's a lot of times on uh, a day off or something I go to the barn and you know I used now I spend it with my kids but I used to just go ride horses or shoe or do something you know it's like uh it's like me and Chelsea we were talking the other day that lotto was like it something silly 260 some thousand or 60 million or something like that you know what would you do if you won that? And I was like, I'd probably just buy a really cool place and ride horses, you know? So, I don't know. I just always liked them. Um, any other guidance that you would give to somebody looking to become a better horse person? Um, probably the best advice I could give them is visit with your customers. Call them back. Let them know what's going on. Because it doesn't matter if they have I mean, I have I have customers that are out of state. I I probably have three or four good customers that have never been to my to my barn, 
And so I try to always send them a little video, like if they're standing on the theraplate or if they're turned out or, or if I'm riding them. It's not always just me riding them, you know, but in my opinion, you know, whatever a guy charges, whether it's 1000 or 1500 or whatever, at a certain point, that's a lot of money. And they're paying you to do a job, and your job is to train a horse, but it's also to be in customer service, right? And you just got to take the time, call people back, you know, have a have a good relationship with uh, with your customers, and that will help you immensely. I'm sure that's super helpful, and it would, as a horse owner, it would warm my heart if my trainer was keeping me updated and sending me videos it's funny so beverly vaughn she owns metallic train but she's from colorado and uh when i went to meet with her the first time uh she kind of asked about that you know she's like i've kind of been with some trainers and they haven't been very um open about telling me you know what's going on and and i said uh i said a lot of times i'll just send uh i'll send people like a snapchat or something you know because it's simple, right? And so she went and got the Snapchat app and figured out how to run it. And so I, I Snapchat her, you know, just just her horses, you know, just letting them know what's going on. So That's amazing. I'm sure she just so appreciates that, knowing how busy yeah. you guys are as trainers. That's amazing. Yeah, it's always it's kind of hard with a video, you know. They, I want to see a video of my horse well, what social media network is this going to end up on, you know, and it's got to be perfect. And so then it's, but like just something small like that, they can at least just kind of see their horse and, and uh, let them know it's, they are at least at the barn trying to ride it or something. Yeah. 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 Very cool. Well, where will we see you next? Um. Well, I'm going to show uh, Betty Sparks at, uh, at the El Rancho Cutting Futurity. I'm going to show him and the four-year-old derby so i'll be there with him and then uh, i'm gonna go to reno for that maturity and then fort worth packed yep futurity season yep yeah and i'm i'm really i'm really happy uh reno they got 71 open horses it's so stuff. exciting yeah, that's really good i i really wanted that um to be successful so uh, I'm extremely, extremely happy that we're not that that maturity isn't gonna dwindle down and go away because we need we need as much stuff out here on the West Coast as we can. So we do, and I've been going to that show since I was, gosh, as long as I can remember, a little little kid. Yeah, I'm glad this one's this one's going good. So very cool. Well, we can learn more about you at edsallhorses.com and Clayton Edsall Cow Horses on Facebook. Anywhere else we should look for you? I don't think so. The stalls next show. Go say hi. Yeah. Very cool. Well, thanks so much. Thank you.